Hello and welcome to a new Nudia on Your Mind podcast on the back of our just released new Noem report, uh, The Case for a Credit Rating. Um, this time we have looked at the whole concept of credit ratings. Uh, it's a topic we have wanted to look at for some time, Victor, um, but where we have actually decided to postpone it because of the corona pandemic, where the previous two Nudia on Your Mind reports have been all about the impact on the pandemic on corporates and 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 we have felt it was virtually necessary for us to really redirect our choices of topics and look at that more closely since it's so critical for how corporates will be doing in the coming months and quarters but now we have come back to this topic and 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 we have felt pretty strongly that this is something that we are curious about we wanted to take a closer look at and 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 also having paid as much attention in our research to the uh, COVID-19 pandemic, we we wanted to revert back to something a bit more long-term in nature and something which we believe is is, is going to be highly relevant uh, continuously over time. Uh, and, and, and it's been pretty intriguing to um, take a look at this. Agreed. And I, th- I, th- I think when we were... Um, when we made the decision to start uh, focusing on the, the corona pandemic, uh, as we were writing it, it became even more clear that uh, postponing this one was the correct decision, uh, I think we would have to say. Uh, but now when we've uh, done two reports on the topic, uh, we felt that this, especially given the, uh, spe- the specific situation that we're in, uh, might be even more relevant. And, and, and credit ratings clearly are relevant also in a corona-dominated or COVID-19-dominated world. Um, and, and, and therefore, it feels pretty good to have brought this topic back up on the agenda again for, for a, a number of reasons. And we have tried to take a, a sort of a basic look at this uh, from the point of view of um, perhaps somebody who is not very well familiar with the concept of credit ratings just to get a grip of what it's all about, uh, but also to put a lot of effort into a very thorough analysis about what benefits they, they can bring. Um, because obviously for a corporate, there is a decision to be made. Uh, do we need to have, should we have a corporate rating or several uh, corporate credit ratings or or can we do without them? And and then we felt it would be extremely helpful to try and, and, and get a better understanding and, and a very well fundamentally backed understanding of what are the benefits you can get from having a credit rating and 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 to be very simple about it to be sort of crude about it well if you do have a credit rating the the conclusions are from the analysis that you can get more funding you can get longer dated funding and and critically of course you can get cheaper funding so so the case as such is pretty clear for why you would be interested in um, having a credit rating but this also ties very much into things we've looked at before, right? I mean, we, we, we have looked at the whole concept of corporate funding for large corporates in the Nordic region. And, 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 and Victor, do you want to remind the listeners about what we did last year, how this all sort of started as an exercise? So if you remember back to, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, Yuan, but I think it was March last year, uh, we wrote a report uh, that we titled The Financial Life Jacket. Uh, and why we did that was because there has been uh, this significant change in how corporates are funding themselves. And, and to put it, put it uh, simply, corporates are relying much more on, on debt capital markets. Uh, and in that report, we, we highlighted that, uh, that uh, 
if we look to the to the Nordic corporate bond market, for example, uh, it has more than trebled uh, over the past 10 years. And of course, this then makes uh, the topic of credit ratings uh, even more relevant because it is such a um, because that debt capital markets funding is such a large part of uh, of uh, Nordic corporate funding. And in that uh, that report, uh, we we highlighted the difference between rated and unrated corporate bonds. We we looked at. Uh, for example, what share of issuance belongs to the co- to the rated uh, corporate bond market versus the unrated, but we didn't really go into to that much of a uh, detailed view on what the key differences are. So in this uh, this report, we kind of uh, continue uh, on that debt capital markets focus, uh, but we look even closer at what are the key differences in uh, in terms of what a rating brings you. Uh, and more specifically, what are the differences between um, domestic uh, bond markets versus uh, euro and USD markets? Right. And arguably, since Nordic large corporates have come to rely much more on capital markets funding uh, than bank funding compared with history, uh, arguably uh, uh, the whole issue of whether or not to have a credit rating has become even more central, right? So like I said, we, we decided to take a basic look. I mean, we one of the luxuries of what we do, Victor, is that we get to educate ourselves when we delve into new topics and, and, and try to explore them. And, and, and in, in that sense, this is no exception. And, and looking at what a credit rating is, well, we felt it would be a good place to start doing a study like this to, to try and just outline that uh, and, and to be a little bit systematic in, in determining what it is and, and also importantly what it is not. Uh, when it comes to choice of words we, we call it it is what it is just to paraphrase that epic Netflix movie uh, The Irishman uh, uh, a line in the movie when 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 a mob uh, henchman gets a, an order he doesn't really like, it is what it is. You just like it and get on with it. Uh, but for credit rating it is what it is means that Okay, specifically, it's an opinion about the credit risk of a borrower or about uh, the credit risk of a specific debt instrument. Uh, Also important to be aware that it's a relative measure. So it's a measure of the credit risk of that borrower or that debt instrument from the strongest to the weakest in a given universe of credit. So what it will say is really where in a sort of ranking order from top to bottom in that universe of borrowers does this particular credit or this particular uh, borrower fit in in how likely it is to to default on its debt? So what you're saying there, Johan, is that it's it's not a kind of direct uh, measure of of uh, the default probability. Exactly. So, so you can't say that investment grade, for example, will have an X percent uh, default probability, but more that the kind of relativeness is that investment grade corporates will typically be at much, much lower risk of defaulting than, uh, than high yield corporates. Exactly that. It, it gives the observer an idea of where on that scale this particular borrower or this particular bond or, or certificate belongs in, in how likely it is to default. So not an absolute probability, but rather a ranking. Uh, and, and what I was going to add, it, it's also important to be aware that it's, it's an independent opinion in the sense that it's independent from the borrower or from lenders. So it's a third-party rating agency that assigns the rating. And, and certainly important also is what are credit ratings not, just to avoid any misunderstandings. And, and along the lines of what you touched upon, Victor, they're not recommendations, they are not investment advice, 
they are certainly not guarantees that uh, an, a borrower or a debt instrument will have a certain likelihood of defaulting or anything like that. And they are not a measure of asset value. So, so they are not really telling you anything about what is the current market value of, for example, a bond. It's, it's this relative scale rating that they represent. Which also means that if you look at the default rates, they, they do vary over time. So given, given the economic circumstances, uh, we can see that default rates uh, uh, can vary uh, actually quite substantially uh, over time. Uh, but it, it is very consistent with this, uh, this relativeness uh, in the sense that investment-grade corporates' uh, defaults are, for the data that we have seen have always been, been far fewer uh, than, than more speculative-grade. Exactly. And that means if you ask the question, have ratings worked in the past, have they actually done what they're supposed to do? The broad and general answer, according to looking at the data, is that, well, yes, broadly they have. Because the gap between the higher rated credits and the lower rated credits has consistently been very, very substantial. So that there's been a very, very clear distribution of outcomes that that the higher rated borrowers have, have not defaulted to nearly the same degree as, 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 as the riskier ones. Now, another question, of course, is, okay, so who, who assigns credit ratings? And, 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 and the market globally for corporate uh, ratings uh, is dominated by three big players. Uh, all of them are US. Uh, it's Standard & Poor's, Moody's and Fitch in that size order. Um, they, both uh, Standard & Poor's and Moody's are listed companies where uh, the rating business is one part of the group. And Fitch, the smallest of the three, is, is private. It's part of the Hearst Corporation in, in the US where the rating business is one out of several business lines uh, within the group. Uh, those three, there are no specific numbers on market shares, but I think it's very, very fair to say that those three dominate. Then there are some smaller uh, regional or niche players in, in certain sectors or, or, or specific regions who are active only there, uh, but, but those three uh, dominate uh, the market for uh, ratings. Looking at how they assign ratings or what the nomenclature they use for what, what the ratings, the rating levels mean, uh, for those big three global players, uh, the nomenclature is very, very simple. So the scale is, is very comparable between Moody's and S&P and Fitch in, in, in what issuer is rated how and what a rating means. Uh, and it's something that investors as corp- and, and corporates are very well familiar with. Could, could you say that it is somewhat standardized in that way to make it easier to, to compare and to understand, but then, of course, still with the differences between the rating institutes? I think that's a fair way to describe it, so that there is an established norm in, in, in how you specify ratings and how you distinguish between them. And I, I think we're going to go, go a bit deeper in, into my next question a bit later, but, but if you just want to shed some light on uh, the difference between public rating and uh, becoming rated but not, uh, not having it public, uh, or, or sorry, published. Yeah, so for, for, for any issuer, any borrower who, who uh, obtains a credit rating from one or several credit rating agencies, they always have the choice if, if they want the rating to be public uh, or if they want it to remain private. And by far most common is that it is a public rating so that all market participants, all observers can see how the company is rated. That's kind of the point, that it becomes public, it becomes very visible what level of credit quality their rating suggests that they have. Uh, but in some cases, the, the issuer decides to keep the rating private uh, and, and, and uses it 
for example, only for internal benchmarking purposes rather than communicating to the outside world. Uh, but 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 this, the normal case is 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 that it's used publicly. And as you're saying, it's it's uh, the the issuer, so, so the corporate that has this choice of of uh, whether it becomes public or not. But coming back to uh, what benefit there is to be gained from having a, a, a credit rating, Victor, we have done a lot of work. We've put together a very thorough analysis. Uh, how, how would you describe the benefits? So you could divide the work into to two parts. So, so one of them is looking at at uh, the total Nordic corporate bond issues uh, issuance since uh, 2000 up until uh, the end of 2019. So every single corporate bond that has been issued uh, by Nordic corporates. And and just looking at that, uh, first of all, as we mentioned in the beginning, we see that it, there's been an incredible growth in the, in the number of, uh, of bonds and the volumes that are being issued. Um, but perhaps most interesting, and, and especially most interesting for the sake of this uh, podcast and this report, is if we look at the difference between uh, issuance uh, by Nordic corporates when it comes to whether or not the corporate is rated. So as uh, as you mentioned in the beginning, we can summarize it as more, longer, and cheaper. And what that means is that uh, if you look at, for example, uh, euro and USD markets, uh, the median bond size uh, that is issued by Nordic corporates is about three times uh, that of uh, of the issuance in, in local currencies. Uh, and what is extra interesting here is that if you look at distribution of bonds, so, so not only the median bond, but but what uh, the distribution looks like, you uh, you quite easily can tell that in the euro and USD bond markets, uh, you have a much, much uh, wider range of uh, available uh, uh, bond sizes. So in other words, you are more free to choose uh, if if you, for example, would need uh, larger funding. And why we're dividing it up into these, uh, so you run USD bonds, and, and why we're dividing it up into local bonds is, as, as you want described, it's it's virtually mandatory uh, for an issuer to, to be rated when it comes to these international bigger markets. And if we take the next one, which, which we simply call longer, uh, it's pretty much the same story. So, so the majority times uh, for bonds issued in euro and USD for a rated Nordic uh, corporate is uh, much longer than that in local currencies. And, and uh, similar, similar look here as well when we, when we look at the distribution of uh, maturity times in the sense that if you want to issue a bond with a maturity time of more than 10 years, uh, then that's quite readily, uh, readily available. Whereas in, in uh, domestic markets, in local currencies, it's not as easy uh, to do so. Without getting into the nitty gritty, but to just throw out a couple of number examples to, to illustrate both when it comes to size and when it comes to maturity of, of bonds. Uh, if you look at uh, the size factor, uh, one way of describing it would be that local currency bonds in the Nordics, for those, 90% are below 150 million euros. Whereas when it comes to dollar and euro bonds, 50% are above 150 million euros. So there's a huge difference, of course, in, in, in the sort of size level of, of issuance of bonds in, in those respective markets. And when it comes to the duration, looking at it in a similar way, 80% of issuance of local currency bonds in the Nordics are five years or less. So the market for longer than five-year debt is very, very limited. Whereas for euro and dollar bonds, 50% of issuance is above five years in duration. So very, very sharp contrast for both, right? 
And to add to that, we find about 15% above 10 years even. Whereas looking at the domestic markets, it's, it's less than 5%. So there's quite, quite a big difference. And then going into to the next one, which, which was quite the extensive quantitative analysis, uh, cheaper. And the juicy part, exactly one. Um, so what we've looked at here is to try to quantify whether or not uh, a rating affects funding cost. And, and before we get into how we've done this and, and the exact results, uh, the result is quite clearly yes. It lowers funding cost, in fact. And it does so by between 20 to 30 basis points. And just to, to give you a flavor of what it is that we have done here is to to uh, look at a uh, European uh, universe of uh, corporate bonds. Uh, so in fact, we've looked at 200,000 bonds issued uh, in Europe. And then from this, this uh, gigantic uh, sample of corporate bonds, uh, we have, of course, needed to filter it down uh, quite a bit. So, so for example, uh, removing already rated companies, uh, obviously. Uh, and then for data availability, uh, choosing uh, the, the bonds where the corporate was unrated uh, as they issued the bond, and then during the bond's lifetime, uh, they became rated. And what we've then done is to collect spreads for these bonds that are corporate bonds, uh, originally issued by an unrated issuer, and then during the bond's lifetime, the issuer became rated. And then we've looked at each individual bond that meets these uh, specific criteria, and looked at the average spread 25 days before the corporate became rated and then 25 days after. So comparing if there's been a shift in, in bond spread um, depending on, on this rating. And uh, as I mentioned, the, the, the results, uh, I think they, they very much speak for themselves in that uh, if I remember correctly, somewhere around 80%, or if it was 75% of corporates, saw a reduction in their bond spreads. So the overall, in the whole sample, uh, the overall reduction was about 20 to 30 basis points. But if you were one of these corporates that saw this, this reduction, uh, which about 75 to 80% of corporates did, uh, then you saw an average reduction of uh, uh, 35 basis points. Which is pretty striking. And was there a difference looking at if you had a higher spread prior to getting a rating compared with if you were already lower risk and had a lower bond spread? And, and this, is, uh, this is where it really is uh, interesting because intuitively I think most people would think that uh, that, that is the case. And, and we are happy to say that, that the intuition then is correct because if you have a pre-rating that is uh, higher, then the potential decrease in spread uh, is also higher. So, so for example, we, we had some, uh, some bonds in the sample with, uh, if I remember correctly, correctly now, a, a pre-rating spread of around 700 basis points. Uh, and they saw a decrease of around 300 basis points uh, after the issuer became rated, which is substantial. I mean, that's, that's a huge decrease. Absolutely. So, so if, if, if you have a somewhat more risky profile, there is even more of a cost benefit to be had from getting rated in the typical case. Exactly, exactly. And of course, this, this has to do with, uh, I mean, one thing is new information, right? So, so if you become rated and there is new information uh, that, that the market gets, 
then that will of course have an effect uh, on uh, on the spreads. But also it has to do with uh, liquidity in the bonds. Uh, so so you want, if you want to shed some light on on that effect, I mean, if if you become rated, then then you're open to to a wider investor base, right? So that's that's the key dynamic here, right? I mean, if 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 you are rated as a borrower, that means that the universe of investors who are even able to invest in your bonds or in your commercial paper is much greater, because many have investment mandates stipulating that they only invest in investment grade or in rated securities. So so there is a sort of binary factor here in that you suddenly, just by having a rating, even if you have a lower rating, you, you, you can qualify for being investable by more investors. And and, and it, it's it's pretty clear that we see that effect in, in, in that funding costs do go down. Yeah, and I would say, especially from from a quantitative point of view, uh, the fact that if it was only about new information, then, then you could expect uh, you could expect the bonds to to have an average of of around zero, I guess, because some of the new information might not be beneficial, which means that that the bond spreads would would increase. Uh, which for some corporates we saw the bonds uh, actually bond spreads increase, but they did so very modestly. And overall, uh, it is very tilted towards uh, a decrease in, in bond spreads. So coming back to, to then uh, what you described there, you want with uh, liquidity being one part of it, uh, but then also, of course, uh, removing uncertainty. Because this, this kind of quality stamp, or, or at least this, this stamp of, of what rating uh, the, the corporate is, uh, removes any uncertainties that, uh, that might work to, to increase the bond spread. Timing then, now that we have a global pandemic leading to lockdowns, containment measures around the world, making economic activity plunge uh, in, in, in countries all around the world, is this a point in time when you would start a process of uh, obtaining a credit rating? Now, that's a rhetorical question, of course. Um, it, it, it's it's pretty obvious that for companies out there who are in survival mode, the ones hit very, very hard by uh, demand evaporating because of consumers being stuck at home, they are not going to prioritize at this very point to embark on, on, on a process to obtain a credit rating. There are more immediate issues that need to be fixed. Um, there is another factor here at work, which is that there can be a stickiness in credit ratings, uh, meaning that if you as a borrower decide to obtain a credit rating and you do that from a timing point of view at the point when you are financially weak at the bottom of a cyclical downturn or in the midst of a crisis like today, then that can be an extra challenge in that you need to work your way up from that low point, temporary low point when it comes to your credit metrics and, and how credit worthy you, you are deemed to be by the rating agencies. So from a tactical point of view, it might be preferable for, for uh, a borrower to obtain a credit rating when they are financially stronger. But at the same time, when you are financially strongest in some sort of cycle over time, that may not be the point where you have the greatest need for a rating, right? For those who are in crisis management mode, well, it's pretty obvious that obtaining a rating is not going to be something that you embark on at that very point in time. But for many corporates, it may make a lot of sense to have a look at a rating, to consider obtaining a rating, even if they are not at the 
financial health high point over the course of a cycle because of the very fact that ratings make an even bigger difference in a less benign capital markets environment. We have for eight, nine plus years now been kind of spoiled with an overall very, very strong, not to say buoyant capital markets environment with low interest rates compared with historical levels, with ample liquidity, with quantitative easing by central banks. And and, and with so many years of such market conditions, there is a risk that we take for granted that that's going to be the normal state of capital markets, which is not necessarily going to be the case. And what we're seeing now for the past couple of months, now that the pandemic is upon us, is that capital markets have become much less benign. And when that happens, well, that's when having a credit rating makes an even greater difference, when it becomes even more apparent that having a rating means that you qualify for being able to get funding at all, and that you get much better terms for the funding if you do qualify than if you are not rated. So, so from this point of view, we think that, yes, it very much still makes sense to bring the issue of a credit rating on the agenda and to have a look at it and see if it would make sense for you as a corporate, as a borrower, uh, to have one in these more challenging circumstances that we have today, because it may well be that we have to live with more challenging market conditions than we have grown used to from the past eight, nine plus years for some time. And we think the prudent assumption to make is that it could be just like that. And, and just to add to, to your point there, Johan, we have actually seen this in the data, uh, for example, in our, our the Financial Life Jacket report. Obviously not to the same extent uh, in terms of how volatile the markets have been, but we have seen uh, over the last 20 years that during times of, of uh, hiccups in the markets or, or during times of uncertainties, the, t- the trend is usually that uh, unrated borrowers uh, are facing more challenge uh, than the rated borrowers. Exactly. And it can even be on the level, not how much will it cost, but rather will it even be available and if it's not available, if you cannot fund yourself in capital markets or refinance yourself in capital markets, you will need to turn to your banks for that funding instead, unless you even raise new equity capital. So so, so clearly makes sense to consider credit rating and not to be shy about it because market conditions are more difficult, not to let the tactical considerations dominate the agenda. This, this is a structural consideration uh, for corporates to, to make. And if we also add, uh, go, going back to this decrease in, in funding costs that we see, uh, and take that aspect, uh, for what corporates, I mean, what kind of debt size are we talking here uh, when it comes to a rating actually being worth it uh, if you're not ha- only satisfied with the, the increased maturity and the increased uh, issuance sizes? Well, this is the thing, right? You can, you can actually calculate uh, at what level of debt it, it, it makes sense uh, to have a credit rating, and it's about 30 million euros. So if, so if you have a recurring capital markets funding of about 30 million euros, well, then what we estimate to be the cost of obtaining and maintaining a credit rating is entirely covered by the saving in funding cost that you achieve uh, for, for a typical issuer when you, when you do have a rating. So you don't have to be huge in, in capital markets funding to, to, to get the cost of obtaining that rating covered. Exactly, because, I mean, 30 million euros, that's... That's not that big of a debt portfolio. I, I mean, if if you look at the unrated corporates in the Nordics that, that have issued bonds, 
the data shows us that that ninety percent of these unrated corporates, uh, given given this, this uh, uh, decrease in in the funding cost, ninety uh, percent would have benefited purely from from a financial aspect from being rated instead. Exactly, and that's only the financial aspect, which does not take into account the fact that you can get longer dated funding, that you can get uh, bigger funding, and and for that matter, diversify your funding. And especially during these times, more secure funding, perhaps. So the case for accredit rating, just to, uh, to finish this off, um, the case for accredit rating, as, as the report title is, uh, we argue, is, is, is pretty compelling. Uh, and, and, and we really want to leave corporates with, uh, with that thought. Thank you all for being with us. Uh, look forward to uh, joining you again uh, for our next podcast. Uh, See you soon.